Join us, friends. Great Scott, Spock guy. Do they know what we have in store for them? They will if they tighten up. And don't double dribble. To the Grey Ghost, Spock guy? Exactly, old chum. No time to waste. To the Grey Ghost. We have not a minute to spare. It's showtime, friends. All right, all right, all right. It is the Spock guy, and it is... Globe trotting with Trey. And we are not wishing Cotton was a monkey, but we know that there's people out there that do. For today's show, last week, we had Trey tell about some of the most famous people that he met. This week, I'll tell a few. Trey will tell a few. I'll I'll set the record straight right now, Trey. I didn't meet many people as big as you did. Now, I have uh, two that I can think of. And, you know, I was trying to rack my brain about, because, you know, I've lived a lot longer than you. So, <laughs> so uh, uh, the a list of famous people that I could have met is a lot larger, let's just say that. Uh, but I did not take the, so much the incentive, if you will, to go out and, and try to meet people like you did. And I, I think that's very admirable, especially at such a young age that you went out there and it tried to intermingle with, I mean, you didn't go for kind of famous people. You didn't go for uh, Bob on channel nine news, the local news. <laughs> you went for Michael Jordan and, <laughs> and Andy Griffith. Andy Griffith. Clint yeah. Griffith. I mean, yeah. you know, when you, uh, when you text me, Billy, the uh, photo for our, our show last week, I was like, wow, I did. I did meet all the people I really admired. That's pretty cool. And I and I made it happen on my own. I did. I yeah. made it all happen on my own. I just, you know, I was not afraid to just go and introduce myself and yeah. uh, thank them for, hey, providing me with that entertainment. And, you know, I mean, everything worked out for me. <laughs> yeah, it did. And you and I both met uh, Chuck. You actually have dealt, dealt with Chuck Norris multiple times, but you and I met Chuck literally at the, we were at, we were talking to Chuck literally at the same day at the same, same time, time and we did in not- Birmingham and didn't know each other at the time, which is, is pretty incredible. Yeah. And uh, I thought he was very, very nice. His wife, Gina was very nice and they were very nice to me. And did you, re- did you realize that the guy that was with Chuck, who that was uh-uh. Marshall Teague from Roadhouse from, um, uh, all kind of movies and TV shows. That was really Marshall, Marshall Teague was. Yeah, the guy who was with him. I did not know it. His yeah. wife. Yep. I didn't put two and two together. And that's the funny thing is seeing uh, uh, famous people and not recognizing them would be another thing. Yeah. Uh, and that actually brings up, you know, um, I'm going to add one to the list right here that I just thought of because of that. Um, uh, and I will tell a couple of of quick stories. Um, I, and friends, what I did is I made a list of the people because you're trying to think of, um, um, of over the years, because some people just come and go and it's this one little 30 second thing snippet of your life and it's over. So, you know what I'm saying? They're I, gone. I, you're gone. I can't believe yeah, it's I, like, yeah. And, and, and it's funny to run up on somebody. Plus, it's funny to run up on somebody that you don't realize is a famous person. And then they leave and somebody goes, hey, did you know? You didn't yeah. 
you know, and that and, uh, I have that kind of story. I'm glad you said that. I have do another, what now? I have another person that I did. Okay, just, well, tell it, tell it real quick. All right, I'm in New York City. I'm at, uh, checking into a hotel, and I saw this guy, and I was like, "That's an actor," and I know him. But man, Billy, I could not think of his name. All right, so I went for like two days, and I still cannot think of his name. Well, the third day. He's checking out and I'm outside on the side of the building talking with the bellhop. And we were talking about a uh, Rucker park basketball, New York city. And sure enough, here come this actor out right beside us. And I'm like, man, I've been, I've seen you before, you know, and I started talking to him. I didn't ask him who he was and stuff. And we had a nice chat. He was like, you know, are you an Alabama? I told him I was from Alabama and I was like, are you an Alabama football fan? I said, oh, no, I'm an Auburn fan, you know, and he got a kicked out, kick out of that. So he talked a little bit more, and then he walked on right down the sidewalk with his uh, luggage. And I looked at the bellhop, and I said, man, who is that? I, I know he's – I know I've seen him. He said, man, that's Martin Sheen. Oh, wow. Martin Sheen was just conversating <laughs> me, asking me questions about what I do in Alabama and all that kind of stuff. And I knew I was talking to somebody I've seen a million times, and I could not put Martin Sheen together, and I knew. Wow, that was cool, right? Yeah, Martin Sheen's giant. Parted, yeah. Jack Nicholson, and DiCaprio, Charlie's yeah. dad. Um, um, that big movie he did in the 80s. So I know that there's something that he did in the 80s. Everybody probably Yeah, scratched. I just saw that recently, but I can't think of what it was. Um, and he has so many great roles. Yeah. But then, and, yeah, he just came out. was like just asking me all these questions. And I knew I was talking to, to an actor that's famous. And I just, I never asked him. I never let him know I knew who he was or didn't know who it was. I just talked to the guy. He went on his way. It was Martin Sheen. Cool. So I had a kind of a similar story in New York. And that's the one that I just thought of when we were, we were talking about that. It just hit me. And uh, Lori and I were headed to, uh, we were walking and we were going to Chef Ramsey's restaurant. I cannot think of the name of it there, but we were going there to eat at one of Chef Ramsey's restaurants. And we're going down the sidewalk and they had it where um, they made us go to the other side of the sidewalk. They had coordinated off and they were having kind of a red carpet event. And I thought, well, that's, you know, what, what, why are y'all making us cross the street? You know, they stopped us and it was like, well, I could just walk right here. It's, we're not, I'm not interfering with what you're doing, but so they made us cross the street. So I went to the other side of the street and we're walking and the uh, restaurant that we were going to eat at, which, by the way, I had this scallop dish. It was three scallops, and it was $18. I remember that, and it was unbelievable. Everything I've ever had at, at Chef Ramsey's place. You ate with me at Hell's Kitchen in, in Las Vegas, right? Yeah, Vegas. Yeah, the lobster risotto there, friends, if you ever get it, is fantastic. That's out in front of Caesars, and if you go in Caesars, the uh, Chef Ramsey's pub is in there, and I had um, – uh, a beef Wellington in there, Lori and I one time and wow. But anyway, that's has nothing to do with this, but I like to reminisce about the food too. We were headed to Chef Ramsey's restaurant. So his restaurant was inside of a hotel and we're just about to the door of the hotel and this guy, and I'll actually act it out now, the people that are listening, I'm going to act like I'm busting through. You know how a hotel has two doors. Yeah, This guy comes through. I've got my camera running. I capture this on camera. He comes through. I'm walking this way with my camera. He comes through the doors and does like this. 
he's wearing a, a tuxedo and he goes, ah, New York. <laughs> and I thought, wow, what a weird thing. And there's two people with him, a man and a woman, and they walk out behind him and they're kind of like staring at him doing this. And he's holding his hands up, like going, New York, you know. And um, and I looked at him and I thought, that guy looks familiar. And uh, he was headed to the red carpet event. It was Tony Danza. And, <laughs> and so I spoke to him and I got that on film. You know, I talked to him and kind of followed him back to the thing with my camera. I walked in front of him and he acted like, like there was nobody there with a camera. You know, I guess they're used to that kind of stuff. So that was one thing. Another thing was the very first time I went to New York, me and my son, I went up there. This would have been about 2000. I'm going to say 2004 ish. Um, and, uh, we went up there, uh, 9-11 happened. What? 2001, September, 2001. Okay. So this would have been about 2004. And I was delivering, I had sold hot tubs. At that time, I was selling hot tubs on eBay, believe it or not. And I had sold four hot tubs that were within 100 miles of each other. Three of them were in New Jersey. And one of them was in upstate New York, just across the Jersey line in a little town called Suffolk, New York. And so I had always wanted to go to New York City downtown and never been before. So I told my son, he was about, let's see, he was born in 90. So he was 14 years old, roughly 14 or 15 years old. And he went with me. And um, I, my idea was is to go to the hotel. And this is before GPS now. Keep that in mind. But my idea was to go to the hotel. I didn't have any New York maps either. But to go to the hotel and um, check in, drop my trailer, leave the hot tubs in the parking lot of the hotel, and I asked the guy at the hotel, I said, how far is it to New York City? How far is it to downtown? He said, oh, about 30 minutes. I went, that's, that's easy. But now keep in mind, I'd been driving for, for almost 24 hours. I was exhausted. And I had driven all the way from Tennessee to New York or just outside of New York. And, um, and I was really, really tired. But I thought, we'll go. It's 30 minutes there. We'll look around. We'll come back and we can still get six or seven hours sleep. Right. So we go downtown there in New York and I parked, I was driving a little Ranger pickup truck, um, it, which by the way, I shouldn't have been pulling four hot tubs with. When I was driving, when it rained, I couldn't stop. It would literally push me through stoplights and stuff because the trailer was heavier than the truck. So it was, that was crazy, but it did happen. But anyway, um, so I remember parking in a parking garage and I wanted to see some very specific things. I wanted to see where David Letterman was at Ed Sullivan Theater. I wanted to see Times Square and I wanted to see Ground Zero. Um, so we saw, we parked at a parking garage close to David Letterman's uh, place there, uh, the Ed Sullivan Theater where Elvis played. And then we walked down to Times Square, which is just, you know, a few blocks down. And we walked down there and I saw someone famous there, which if you've never seen, never watched the, I don't watch the Howard Stern show anymore. But way back in the day when he first popped out, that was, you know, that was a thing. And I actually saw Beetlejuice from the Howard Stern show. Yeah, Beetlejuice. You remember Beetlejuice? I've been watching some TikTok with Beetlejuice. Okay, I saw Beetlejuice at like four o'clock in the morning. 
in New York City. That's the first person that I ever saw in New York that was famous. It was Beetlejuice of all people. It had to be Beetlejuice. Wow. Yeah. And then we went down to Ground Zero, and by the time I got, my idea was was I'm gonna remember the highway, which was just dumb. But got to keep in mind, I was um, I was exhausted. I didn't write down the highway, and I thought, well, it's 286. I'll just take 286 back. No. So I had gotten it mixed up. I ended up on the Jersey Turnpike. I literally know this is absolute truth. You check out of your hotel at 11. I got back to the hotel at 10. <laughs> had just enough time to take a shower, hook my trailer, and keep on going. I never got to go to sleep. Hey, Billy, welcome to the Big Apple, because the first time to New York City, you're in for something, man, because that's in total. That's a totally different place. Direction-wise, it, it takes months. I've been out there three times now, and every time I go back out there, I forget everything. Yeah. And I, it's a hard place to, to know where you need to be, like what train uh, train you need to be on, what block you're on, how many blocks you have. Billy, like, I literally probably walked about 30 blocks in the wrong direction before I figured out yeah. that my destination was behind me. It, it was- and I've been to New York now enough that I know my way around. Yeah. Uh, but when you first get there, it is very intimidating. Now a place I can't get around is Washington, DC. It's the worst. Yeah, that and, is- um, and of course you and I were there not too long ago. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's kind of my people that I saw in New York, as far as just meeting a famous person somewhere, you know, uh, so let's go to some other ones. Um, we mentioned, uh, you mentioned Andy Griffith. I did a show, uh, for those of you that don't know, I played music for a good portion of my life, played in a lot of bands, did a lot of stuff. I played since I'm 58 now, and I started playing in bands when I was 15. And so I did a lot of, I played a lot of music and played with uh, a lot of bands and got to do a lot of really cool things. The reason I actually moved to Nashville in the, I moved here at the end of 1999, which is 23 years ago. I moved here to play music and ended up struggling uh, like so many people when I, I left a job that I'd been at my whole life and started a new business. And I struggled trying to make that business work and make a living and do so many things that I never got to focus on the music. I ended up uh, doing other things and still got to play music, but I never, I didn't really get to do what I came here to do. Not that I was good enough to do it. I'll say that because man, you know, uh, back in North Carolina, where I'm from, uh, you can stand out as a musician, as a singer, that kind of stuff. But man, when you come to Nashville, Hey, now everybody that is, that is anybody comes here and there's people standing out on the street corners that are better than the people that you hear on the radio. I mean, people that are just incredible. And so it's a little overwhelming, but I said all that to say this. Um, just before I moved here, I worked with, I played with the band for years and years and years and years, and they got an opportunity to hire another lead singer. And they knew that I was leaving and moving to Nashville. So I was leaving the band anyway. So they came to me and said, hey, we've got an opportunity to hire this guy. Would you step down and let us hire him so we can continue on? And then when you move, you move. And I said, that's, that's fine. I would, I'll be glad to do that. And I ended up working for a a country music uh, singer that was regionally famous. He's, he's nationally famous back then. He has a couple of hits, but 
in North Carolina, everybody knows who he is. His name is Don Cox. He had um, uh, Man Overboard was one of his hits. Um, it's All Over Town was another hit. And I worked with Don. And we did a show with George Lindsay, with Goober. And uh, we actually opened for Goober, believe it or not. Judy, and Judy, Judy, Judy. Judy, Judy, Judy. And so I got to spend time. I showed you in another one of these podcasts the pictures of of Goober signing the yo-yo. So I got to meet and spend some time with George. Very, very nice man. Um, and I actually recorded that uh, stand-up that he did. So I have an hour of George Lindsay. That's the only recording of it. I recorded it off the board. You know, we provided the PA for it, and I recorded it off the board. That should so be he, a YouTube show. Yeah. Show. Yeah. It's, man, it's very, very funny, and it's all clean. That's you know, and, and that's what I love about it. He was... He's just a funny guy. And it's some of it's a little bit corny, like uh, Alabama boy, you know, so he's got to be pretty good. Yeah, he's, he was good. One of the jokes that I remember him telling is this two snakes crawling down a path. And one of them said, are, are, man, are we poisonous? He said, I don't know why he asked. He said, I just bit my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> it was stuff like that. That's great. One. <laughs> and uh, just, you know, little funny things like that. But I remember him being a very, very nice man. And uh, another uh, one that I got to meet uh, during that time was a friend of mine that's actually, he'll be in a podcast in the future. He's been in a couple of videos on my channel, is my friend from North Carolina, Bill Stovall, that I went to school with. Bill, in fact, just got married a few days ago. Um, and Bill worked for a newspaper and he invited me, I don't know if you know this story, he invited me to to come to a concert in Wilson, North Carolina at a gymnasium. And he had us press passes because he was going to cover it because he worked for the newspaper. Yeah. So we got to sit in the press section and it was Ray Charles. No. So yeah, with an orchestra, a full orchestra. That's and cool. so we got to meet Ray Charles and uh, that was uh, very, very cool. Did Ray see you? No, he did not. And uh, have you ever seen Ray's house? I haven't. Neither has he. Um, so, <laughs> so, um, the, uh, another one that I, that I could think of from, and we're going to go way back. So those of you that are not Elvis fans, you may or may not know who I'm talking about. And if you're not an Elvis fan, these podcasts are not only Elvis, but Trey and I do some Elvis videos and stuff and are Elvis fans. So that's always going to trickle in. In 19, I'm going to say it was it. It was at North Pitt, just outside of Greenville, North Carolina, at a high school, high school gymnasium concert. And it was J.D. Sumner and the Stamps Quartet, which J.D. worked with Elvis. And I got to meet J.D. and go on his bus and get his autograph. And years later, a friend of mine that uh, Jeff Pearls that knew J.D. very, very well, he told me, he said, man, he said he didn't let fans on the bus. He said, so if he lets you on the bus, he really liked you. And I got on the bus because you talk about the way that you pursued some of these people. I pursued J.D. Sumner. Oh, yes. <laughs> when I got there, I could not believe that I was seeing J.D. Sumner, the guy that I saw singing with Elvis, you know. Yeah. So it was and I would have been. Let's see. That would have been. Uh, I'm going to say that that was 1979. So I would have been, uh, what, 14 years old. Man, 15 Billy, years I, old. I wish you were the spy guy back then with a the camera. Yeah, me too. You, um, probably, you probably didn't ask him anything either. 
Yeah, no, I, I don't remember. I still have, I don't know where it's at. It's packed up somewhere, but I have the, where he autographed his picture. It's an eight by 10. I have the pen that he autographed it with is in the frame with it. And um, I just, I could not, and other people that were there, if you're an Elvis fan was Ed Enoch was there. And uh, there was one more um, that would have been from the original group. It may have been Donnie Sumner, but I, I don't think Donnie was with them at the time. But anyway, I'm going to jump off the Elvis subject because we beat that, that kind of stuff to death. Another one that I really want to tell about this, and this is such a uh, probably, I would say maybe not of the younger generation, but people that are my age. I'm going to say 50 and older, maybe I'm going to say 40 and older would probably know this person without a doubt. Um, and he was hugely famous for a couple of different things. Um, and the way this all happened is very, very bizarre. Uh, before I got married, which I've been married now for 35 years. So it was, I got married in, actually, is it 36 years? I think it's 36 I got married in 1987. So, no, it would be 35. So, 35, um, right. and um, I lived with my grandma. After I graduated from high school, until I got married, I lived with my grandma and granddaddy. And my grandma and granddaddy were, were great people. And they are actually who got me interested in music and uh, videos and movies and all of those kinds of things. They were huge antique collectors. Um, my granddaddy had, um, a, a, he had 25,000 records in his collection and he had, uh, 3000 one-sided Edison's. He collected 78s, the mm -hmm. thick ones, you know, and the thin ones. And the Edison at one time made records that were only on one side. He had 3000 of them. 3000. He, he had 3000 one-sided Edison's. He had about 22,000 78 double sides, all variations had them cataloged. He had these giant things in his house where the catalogs had the numbers on them and you'd pull it out and the records would be sitting side by side and the whole room was full of records. So you're listening and, to a lot of music back then. Oh yeah. And so we, I always had a record player. My granddaddy always made sure that I had records and a record player. My very first record that I can remember playing on a record player was uh, Hank Williams, Your Cheating Heart. And so he gave me a record player and gave me that record in a 45. And I remember wearing it out yeah. over and over and over and over again. And some other things that I played back then would have been, um, I had uh, uh, a band called Silver, uh, Sil the Silvers, the Silvas, something like that. Boogie Fever. I love that record, man. I wore that out. So I got a lot of 45s as a I'm talking about as a child. I'm talking about five, six, seven years old. We're talking way, way, way back. And so it just it gave me a love for music. And Granddaddy uh, had uh, Edison record players. He had the wind-up record players. He had 2,000 cylinders. The original records looked like toilet paper rolls. They were cylinders. He had 2,000 of them. 2, had, 500, had 500 cylinder players. He was getting the record players when people were throwing them away. Back in the day when they were moving to the plug-in-the-wall, they would set the old Victrolas, the wind-ups, on the street. My granddaddy would stop and get them. So he had this giant collection of record players. So I just grew to love antiques, history, 
music, all those things from my grandma and granddaddy. And so my granddaddy told me, I told him, granddaddy, I'm going to Goldsboro. I used to, when I lived in Kinston, I would go to Goldsboro, North Carolina, because that's where the the music store that I like to do business with, Max Stewart's was. I bought a lot of guitars and amps and PA and stuff from Max Stewart Music. And so I told him that I was going to go to Goldsboro to Max Stewart Music that day. And he said, well, while you're driving there, you're going to pass LaGrange, which is a little town in between those two towns on Highway 70. He said, when you go there, go into town and see if you can find Tiny Tim. I said, Tiny Tim? He said, yeah, you know, the ukulele player, Tiptoe Through the Tulips. So most of you would know Tiny Tim for Tiptoe Through the Tulips. But he's famous for that on the, he played that on the Johnny Carson show. But he also got married on the Johnny Carson show. He married Miss Vicky, which made him very, very, very famous, especially during that era. So I told my granddaddy, okay, well, I don't know how to find him. Back then, you know, I mean, there's no cell phones. There's no internet. He just knew he was going to be in LaGrange. Yeah. So I go to LaGrange, and the way LaGrange is, is if you can imagine Highway 70s, this four-lane highway that goes to LaGrange and kind of curves around, and then there's a place that juts off to the right that goes into LaGrange and then goes back to Highway 70, and it's probably four or five or six miles where it goes on that road into LaGrange, into downtown, and then back to Highway 70, and there's one stoplight at that halfway. Literally one light. That's it. In the whole town, there's one stoplight. That's great. So I take that exit not knowing. I pull up to that stoplight and stop. And I'm sitting there. And there's a gas station on the far corner to my right. So I'm sitting at the stoplight, if you can imagine. And on the far corner on your right is a gas station. And then there's a phone booth. Guess who is in that phone booth talking on the phone? Give me a hint. <laughs> Tiptoe through the tulips. <laughs> Tiny Tim is in that phone booth talking on the phone. And I looked and I thought, there's Tiny Tim. <laughs> How in the world is that? Is he, what is he doing here? And so I pull up to the gas station and I get out and I stand there and I wait for him to come out. And he looks at me like, what the, you know, what? <laughs> And, this is more and, right, you know? during that time, I would have been, let's see, I'm going to guess that would have been 19, I'm going to say 1983-ish. I had graduated from high school, so I'm going to say 83. Might have been 84. Um, but so I wait for him to come out. And when he comes out, very odd guy. Um, the first thing I noticed is he had this long hair. I mean, really, really, really long, really thick and kind of greasy, like he didn't wash it. And when I'm saying long, it was almost like dreadlocks, but it wasn't curled like dreadlocks. It was just long, really thick, matted red hair. And he had looked like he had eye makeup on a little bit. And he would not look at me straight in the eyes. He would I would ask him a question and he would kind of look at me and then look away and answer and then walk away. And I would ask him something. He'd turn around, walk back to me and speak to me. And then he'd turn, walk away again. 
<laughs> and my granddaddy told me to ask him. He said, if you can find him, ask him what record collection, what he, what records he's collecting right now, what he's interested in. If there's a particular artist, I probably have it, and I will bring him some of those records. So I talked to him, and he told me that he was interested in Henry Burr records. I have no idea who Henry Burr is, but he knew who he was, and my grandfather knew who he was. So I spoke with him that day and, and told him, and I told him my granddaddy was going to come that night, and he was going to bring him some Henry Burr records. So I go to the music store, and I go back, and I tell my granddad. And I wish now that I'd gone with my grandma and granddaddy to, to witness this, but granddaddy went and met him, took him some Henry Burr records. And you remember the old tape recorder that you stick the cassette in and do this. He had him sing Tip Throw Through the Tulips in that. So I don't have that cassette. When my grandfather died, who knows what happened to that? But I remember listening to that. I would, I'd, I'd love to have that recording of uh, him talking to my grandfather. He recorded them talking about Henry Burr records and recorded him talking and singing Tiptoe Through the Tulips and brought it home and played it for me. He was so proud of it. How that so I kind of set that up for my granddad. You set that up without you even knowing, but why didn't you go to the... I, man, you're a kid and stupid. You know, I can remember driving by uh, my granddad. He owned a, a radio and television repair shop in Kinston. And I can remember driving by there and him sitting out in front. He would go at lunchtime, he would get a Pepsi or a Coke, actually. And he would go sit out on the steps there and just watch people go by. And I, I can't tell you how many times I drove by and just waved at him and just kept on driving. You know, and I would give anything to see him today. And, stop and you know, and so... Friends, if you're young and you have grandparents and people you love, stop today and tell them that you love them and quit driving by. If you get a chance to go with them and do stuff, go do it. Uh, I regret a lot of things that uh, my granddaddy always, I'm a grandparent now, and I hope that my child, my grandchildren get that feeling that I got from my grandparents. They made me feel really, really, really special my whole life. They really did. And so they were very, very important part of, um, of me growing up. So let's go to, uh, I've told the tiny Tim story. Let's go to a couple of, I ended up being able to do some cool things music wise. And one of them was, uh, most of you would know the band journey. Um, and some of the songs would be, um, I can't believe that I'm, that I'm having to think of this right this, uh, I should just know it off the top of my head, but, um, highway what's that song? Uh, wheels go round and round in my mind. Um, faithfully you got, you got faithfully, you've got, everybody knows journey, right? And, um, Right? I know. You know Journey? <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't know. Well, you didn't say anything. So I'm trying, um, I was trying to think about all their songs. Okay. So one of them is uh, songs. I'm going to look up songs written by Jonathan Kane. And that would be. Uh, don't Stop Believing. Don't Stop Believing. Anybody Faithfully. The one that I just said. Faithfully. Um, Stone in Love, which I, I thought was a great song. 
who's crying now? Um, open arms. Everybody knows open arms. Most people would know those particular songs that I'm talking about. Well, Jonathan Kane is the piano player for, for Journey. So I ended up being fortunate enough to be a background singer for Jonathan Kane. And you can find the video on my channel where we uh, sang backup for him. Usually he would have a choir back him up. But in this particular uh, case, he didn't want to take the time to bring a choir in. So there was three of us guys and three girls that went in and sang backup for him at this event. And so I got to work with Jonathan Came from Journey, which was really, really cool. And I've made the, the video is on my channel. Um, and that that was a lot of fun. He was very, very nice. And I've I've actually, when I was doing the bridge ministry, I worked in the homeless ministry for uh, several years, for 13 years total. And Jonathan would come serve at the bridge and sing and do things at the bridge. So that's how I ended up meeting Jonathan Kane. And uh, he actually has a studio here in um, in Nashville. In fact, if you've seen the video that I did with Bobby Ogden, where Bobby plays the grand piano, that's in Jonathan's studio Okay. in, uh, in Nashville. So that's over in Berry Hill. Another one that I got to work it with and actually do shows with um, because of the bridge is Amy Grant, Vince Gill's wife. Mm. And so I did some things with Amy. Um, another one that I worked with was, would be Ricky Skaggs. So unless you're a country music fan or bluegrass fan, you may not know who Ricky Skaggs is. So very fortunate to be able to actually do shows with, with those folks. Um, Donnie Sumner, J.D. Sumner's uh, cousin that I mentioned earlier. Donnie uh, is a star on his own. I actually played drums for, for Donnie for a show. Um, so I got a chance to do a lot of really uh, what I would consider cool things. Uh, when I was playing in the bands in North Carolina, we did show with Artemis Powell, which was the drummer for uh, Leonard Skinner. We opened for uh, Terry McBride, McBride and the Ride. So we did some some things like that. And I got a chance to to play music or we I didn't play with them specifically, but we got to do I got to work on the same shows as they do. And we used to open for another band called Exile. We did. I traveled uh, my band uh, in this at, at this time. We were actually not traveling, but Exile was it still is a giant band, and we were their opening act. Okay. And so we did some things with Exile, um, which was very cool. Now I'm going to bring up. You mentioned uh, several huge stars, so I'm going to step on over to some huge stars. Uh, one of them would be Paul Stanley from Kiss, the lead singer for Kiss. I got to meet Paul. Very, very nice man. Me and my son went to meet him, and he was ultra, ultra, ultra nice. And, man, I mean, I remember Paul Stanley as a kid, you know. So to see him in person is very surreal. What was Kiss like when you were a kid? Uh, okay, so we talked about that a little bit. Remember – the thing about Kiss was the thing that intrigued me most, which I think was was the way that a lot of people got intrigued, was kind of the urban legend, the urban myth thing, which was very, very, very important. If you could ever get an urban legend out about what you were doing, especially back then, because there's no way to Google anything, it blew yeah, up. It blew up. So the the thing that made Kiss huge, and we've talked about this before, was I remember going to school. If you could ever get the kids talking about something. I remember going to school and somebody going, "Hey man, that have you heard about that that that, that new Kiss that comic book?" And I said, 
Kiss got a comic book? He said, yeah, man, the red dye and it's Gene Simmons' blood. What? What? You know, <laughs> what? What do you mean? It can't be right. Yeah. You know, and um, so that was uh, something that was kind of an urban legend type thing from way back. And, and I just thought that was really, really, really cool. And along those same lines, and probably not as big a star as Kiss, but Ted Nugent was very nice. I got to meet uh, 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 Ted, and he was, he's, of course, way, way over the top and crazy. But um, I always liked uh, Ted's music way back. I played in, we played some Ted Nugent music back in the bands. Of course, we played Kiss music back in, in the band days as well. Um, another one, and I didn't get to meet this person specifically, but I actually met her sister. I did business with her sister. That's who I would deal with. And that's Dolly Parton. Okay. Because I live in Nashville, I worked on Dolly's hot tubs. And she had three hot tubs. She had down in Brentwood, she has a house that is, in fact, when she built that house in the 60s, the road in front of her house was a dirt road. And she has 90 acres there. You would never know it looking at the house, but the, the acreage is kind of hidden behind the house. When you go over behind the house, they've got a big green meadow back there with a white barn sitting way back. And her swimming pool has lily pads in it like a pond, like a like you would think a pond would be. Beautiful, beautiful home. And she has a hot tub there. All of her hot tubs are white, by the way. The sides are painted white and the covers are white. And she has one at the big house in kind of a screen room uh, which is off of another big room that she would sit in that had a grand piano in it, a white grand piano. And something that I noticed is she needed readers like me and every single seat in the house that you could sit down at, had a pair of glasses sitting <laughs> on the table beside every single place. And I got to go to, into the house and down into the basement. There's a bar down in the basement and there's a room, the room that I would have to go cut the breaker on and off for the hot tub is right off of a room where it has a chair, like a beauty parlor chair, like you would get your hair done. There's a room down there for that. And Elvis had that, that same thing in his house. And uh, she also had a guest house next door. The guest house, to tell you how large it was, is 6,000 square feet. Wow. So what would happen is I couldn't go to both houses on the same day. So I would go to one house, like I think Wednesdays was the uh, was the guest house day. Thursdays was the big house day. So on Wednesdays, I would go work on the guest house one, which was all white as well. And it was behind the house, but it wasn't in a screen room. It was in the carport. Then uh, on Thursdays, if she and her husband were home, they would go to the guest house while people were in the big house working. So I never got to see her. Um, but I did see her sister, Rachel, which is looks just like Dolly. She's just 20 years younger and uh, beautiful. And so I got to deal with her, but we serviced those hot tubs. And then she had a, a, a lake house over in Mount Juliet on Old Hickory Lake. And I worked on that hot tub there as well. I even took my jet ski because Hendersonville, where I live, the lake by way of boat or jet ski is her house was like two miles by way of car. It's like 30 miles. So, so you I would, <laughs> I would load my tools in the front of my jet ski and go across service the tub or fix it or, you know, whatever I got to do. And then, and then go back. That's and, cool. um, yeah. So I did, I worked That's on her hot tub with my jet ski. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, they were very nice people. Do you ever get in the hot tub? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did. And, and I'm really upset about something 
they asked me, they wanted a price of a brand new hot tub for the, uh, for the lake house. And so I gave them a price and they were going to do a tub with the TV in it. I got them. We talked about that. And she had an old Sundance tub that was down on the deck inside of a screen room. So basically when she was inside, if she was in the house, it was screened off where you couldn't see her. So if she was in the screen room, getting in the tub, you couldn't see her in there for privacy. Of course, you know, she's, She's famous, so she didn't want people gawking at her. And um, so what we were going to have to do is take the wall down, take the tub out, take the new tub, cut it, put it down in the floor. So I was prepared to do all that. I was waiting on them to pull the trigger. And one day the guy, I don't recall his name, but it was the guy that I was dealing with before Rachel. Um, And he called me and said, hey, they've decided not to put a hot tub there. They're just going to take that one out and fill the hole in. And I said, well, you know, y'all told me that I could have that hot tub. So since you're just going to get rid of it, I'd like to have it. Because I wanted to have Dolly Parton's hot tub, right? Of course. Yeah. And um, and he said, well, the guys that were doing the decking have already taken it. And wow. they had loaded it on a trailer and didn't tie it down. And it came off the trailer and got destroyed. What? Yeah, that happened. So I missed having Dolly Parton's hot tub by that much. And I found a photo of her in the hot tub, uh, in that hot tub. In that hot so tub. it would have been pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. And, uh, and I'll tell you one more quick story that is a, not a direct, because I didn't ever get to meet this person, but it's kind of direct. And then I'll tell you someone ultra famous that I met. Um, and that is, I own Donna Douglas's Ellie Mae Clampett's hot tub. She was in Frankie and Johnny with Elvis. And a friend of mine bought her house. She lived in Goodlettsville, Tennessee. She built the very first house in that neighborhood. My friend bought the house, wanted a newer hot tub. So I installed a newer hot tub and I still have her old hot tub. So what I had planned on doing was having, maybe doing an Airbnb and having the Donna Douglas tub and doing another one and having the Dolly Parton tub. And I found Johnny Cash's tub and have Johnny Cash. I just thought that would be cool to do. But of course that never Sadly, that never worked out. So I'm going to tell you this one quick one right here. Let me do this. Tied up. Thank you. Thank you very much. This means that we got three minutes left. And so I live in Hendersonville, Tennessee. My kids went to, my son and daughter both went to Hendersonville High School. Somebody that is very, 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 very famous especially now selling out stadiums went to Hendersonville high school during the time that my kids went there. My son knew her Taylor Swift. I've met Taylor Swift. I've talked to her very nice. I met her when she was not famous. I can remember seeing Taylor Swift after she was famous at the Cracker Barrel at the grocery store with her mother, helping her take groceries after she's famous bring brushes out and putting them in the back of the car. Now she couldn't walk down the street without being mobbed. I call her the modern day Elvis. She lived on uh she lived over by Johnny Cash, right? Well, she lived over by, it would actually been Clint Black and Lisa Hartman's house, which is just down the street from now. I mean, in the same town as Johnny and Roy Orbison, but, uh, and also, uh, uh, Conway Twitty, all of them lived around, but where she lived at is where uh, the wrestling house that we talked about, Jeff Jarrett's daddy's house. Okay, yeah. Where all of the famous wrestling stuff happened. If you go past that house and turn left, they lived back there 
it's three houses on a peninsula and her father lived in the middle house. That's where, when she moved to town, she grew up there. Now they were wealthy. Okay. When she moved to town, they had money. They lived, that's a multi-million dollar house back then, which is not far from where we lived. But um, I can remember seeing Taylor Swift at the same talent contest that my son was in with his band. And I have not gone back to see if I have video of it, but I bet you I have video of Taylor Swift. You need to go check that. I need to go find. I bet you I have it because I would record just like I always do. I record everything. Well, did she stand out to you? Tell me again. Did she stand out to you? If she did, I don't recall it. You know, I mean, we knew that she was doing stuff when we saw her. When it became apparent that she was going to do something big, I saw her on maybe the CMT Awards or the country. it was one of the country music awards and she was singing um, that Tim McGraw song that she wrote to Tim McGraw. Yeah. It's just, amazing. And, um, I'm seeing, you know, she's touring around right now, man. She's I'm, selling out stadiums. My out. son lives in Philadelphia. He went to high school with her and knew her and my daughter and him know the boys that she wrote all the songs about. That's you know, that I, first album was about all those boys. Okay, that'd be a, that could be an interesting show we could we could do. But yeah, that's I'm kind of afraid of. I've never met Taylor Swift. I'm kind of afraid to meet her just in case you know we fell in love or something. And then yeah, she'd, she'd write a song about you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, that has to be might have to take. Hey, yeah, that has to be tough for those guys because she has yeah. a platform to uh, to get you back. Yeah, she does. But hey, you have. Been a cheat on her. My though. son in Philadelphia said that she sold out Philadelphia Eagle Stadium. She sold it out. He said people were paying a hundred dollars for a t-shirt. Yeah. And a thousand dollars a ticket. You know, so she's got more money than she could ever uh ever spend. In fact, the guy that the Scott Borchetta, the guy that found her, I believe that's his name, uh, where I get my haircut at, he's got a brand new building just across the street to keep his bus in his tour bus and he races cars. He's got race cars in there. He just bought a bunch of houses and tore them down and built a brand new facility there. Of course, I mean, they got gazillions of dollars there. Um, uh, in fact, where I went to the sleep doctor, uh, not too long ago is right there by where, where Taylor Swift headquarters was in, uh, in Hendersonville. She used to have her fan club, the headquarters, was there behind the Kroger, believe it or not, right in Hendersonville. She's not in Hendersonville any longer. No, no. I think her dad even moved. I think they all left. She's in Los Angeles. Yeah, mom and dad. Well, she's got a house in, you know, she had a place in Nashville downtown up on the roof, a penthouse. It seems like she had a house in Connecticut, maybe, on the the water. Uh, Martha's Vineyard type thing. Probably has house everywhere. Yeah, and she's got enough money to have anything she wants. The friends, we are over time. That's just a little taste of a few more famous people. The most famous person I ever met was Taylor Swift or uh, uh, a lead singer for, for Kiss, Paul Stanley. Both of those people are pretty well known, I would say. And uh, so I thought, I thought it was really cool. And I will say this about Taylor Swift. She was very, very nice, very nice person. And um, i tell you what, man, people love her. You got to give her that. Yeah. All right. Thank y'all so much for watching and listening. Don't forget to hit the like button. Check me out on YouTube. Look up Spa Guy. Trey, check him out on YouTube, Globetrotting with Trey. Right there. And guys, thank y'all so much for listening. This is a lot of fun to do. And until next week.
tighten up every chance you get. And don't double dribble. 